Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Brian Nutwell. And I'm Drew Perot. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. This episode, we're back with an all-time classic movie, The Shawshank Redemption. As we finish out our series on Limit Breaks, we thought it would only be right to do one of the greatest Limit Breaks of all time. In this first episode, we're gonna talk about how to break out of an institutionalized mindset. While most of us probably haven't been prison, we definitely have found ourselves imprisoned inside of certain systems, whether it's in society, in our business, or just in some sort of a comfortable system that we've made our home in, that we eventually come to realize isn't the way we want to live. So we're going to start by looking at the character of Red. Red is this natural leader who gravitates towards helping other people and trying to atone for his crime. He's one of the only people in the movie that is willing to admit that he did actually commit the crime of murder that he's in jail for, or that he's in prison for. But Red, despite his flaws, despite his past, wants to move forward. And in order to do so, he really finds himself as a key cog in the wheel of Shawshank Prison. Red knows how to work the systems. He makes progress for himself and others within the constraints of the systems, but he really gets thrown for a loop when Andy arrives. And we get this so clearly in the voiceover that Red gives as the narrator that Andy really changes everything. So as we all try to break ourselves out of these systems that we might feel like we're captive to, it's perfect to put ourselves in Red's shoes, learning how to spot the institutionalized mindset and then eventually how to break out of that mindset. Like Red, for us, a lot of times, it's difficult to imagine anything outside of the system that we're currently in. It's difficult to have a vision of being on the beach in Mexico when all you've been seeing is Shawshank Prison for the last 20, 30, 40 years. So we get the most iconic quote from the entire movie near the end when Andy says, get busy living or get busy dying. So let's let that be our guiding light as we try to understand how do we keep ourselves growing to not get stuck in a rigid, stagnant system for the good of others? Welcome to Wonder Tour. This is Brian. I'm here with Drew. And for this classic movie, we're bringing back a classic OG Wonder Tour voice. Yes, it's the sultry tones of Derek Cobb. Hello, I'm, I'm back. <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. Hey, guys, it's good to be back again. And, you know, I like to drop in here and there. And uh, I really enjoy the conversation. So looking forward to it. So we circled back to this movie. Of course, you know, many of his many of us have seen this in the background dozens of times on uh, as, it, as it loops through on cable. But watching it intentionally, I was surprised myself how much more I identified with Red than with Andy. It was really exciting to see somebody to kind of feel Andy's joy of life leaking through and how he managed to find ways to thrive in this, in this harsh environment. But I definitely saw some of myself in the like, you know, I, I don't love it here, but it, I'm kind of working it out. and I don't really know what better would look like. And it's a little scary to look outside here. So... I found Red very sympathetic, but also very relatable. Like Andy's at a, operating at quite a level of leadership that requires a fair bit of willpower and a, a fair bit of uh, self-belief. And I feel like Red is is where a lot of us are at. So where, how do you guys feel about kind of watching these these characters interact and how that relates to where you are 
in a large organization in the structures that you're embedded in in your life? I got to start out talking about this, Brian, because this was my first time ever watching this movie. I don't know how I've been hiding under a rock this long, but it was it was on purpose. I know that people like yourselves have lauded this as one of the great movies of all time. And so I was kind of holding out, delaying gratification, waiting to enjoy it for a really good wonder tour. So there's something to me about watching a movie for the first time, as I'm sure there is for you guys as well, where you just when you get one of those top 10 movies of all time. You just glaze over. I literally, after I watched this movie, I had to go on a drive, just run an errand really quickly. It was last night, and I went and turned on, <laughs> I turned on River Flows in You and listened to it in the car because there was something that I had to process about life after watching this movie. The characters in this movie, like you said, Brian, all of them are very relatable in moments where you can just see yourself in Brooks wanting to give up sometimes, just saying, like, I can't adapt to this new system. I don't want to change. If I have to change, I would rather die. And you can see yourself in red as well, where you're like, man, I want to help people and I am helping people and I'm really encouraging people. But I don't know if I can ever be Andy. I think maybe, you know, Red is for me. So I, I think there's just something to that. The characters in this movie being oh so relatable, despite the fact that most of us have never or will never go through anything quite like what they're going through. I think I look at this like game theory. If I don't do anything, I become red. And if I put in a little bit of spice, a little bit of salt and pepper kind of thinking there, dabbling in the Andy space is not something that's, well, if you think about it, it's not really sustainable forever sometimes so you have to kind of go into it and out of it so i think it's like this vacillating back and forth between andy and red but you spend a lot less time in andy and a lot of time in red because you know if you want to be somebody who's stable and dependable you kind of have to get into the red zone a little bit too right so i think that's that's something to think about is that being red's not all bad no absolutely Absolutely. Time to be Andy and break out, too. So, well, and that's what I one of the things we see in this movie, right, is just that, you know, Red gets out too. Red gets to the same destination, but he didn't do it by himself. He couldn't envision it by himself necessarily. Like sometimes you need that spark. You need somebody that's a little bit unreasonable and a little bit of an, you know, irrational dreamer that's also willing to put in the work. If you can have that person in your life, even occasionally, it really opens your mind up to the possibilities. And like you said, if you can be that person in somebody else's life, even occasionally, then maybe it's maybe it goes viral. Maybe you can spread the potential. When you find those people in your orbit, right? When you're when you're busy being red and keeping your head down and being institutionalized and just kind of, you know, making making the world around you better in very small ways. And you run across one of those people that's just like, no, this is unacceptable. I'm going to blow up the system, right? Sometimes it's delightful. And sometimes it's like, dude, shut up. Like, stop talking. You're messing things up. Yeah, we all see that sometimes. And I think that's the key that we'll get to later on is how if, if you really want to be Andy, because for some of us, there is that insatiable appetite for transformation that Andy has. You have to put some guardrails on yourself. But as it relates to Red and the system here, I think everybody can relate to that because there's aspects of the system that we don't like and we probably complain about daily. You know, it could be a digital system that we work with that we're just like, man, this system is is so bad, but it's so cumbersome at this point. Like, who's really going to change it? If I propose that we make some sort of a change to make it better for me or for some of the other users of the system, the cost to change it is going to be so high. They're just going to say no. 
And it's the same type of thing happens whether you're looking at the societal systems or whether you're even looking at some of your local systems a lot of the time where you're just like, ah, the cost to change this system is so high. There's no way it'll actually ever change. So because of that, I think we can kind of get in that mindset that Red is in exactly because of that, right? We look at the stone walls around us and we're like, these stone walls are never going to be moved. They've been here ever since I got here and I can't imagine them ever going anywhere. If that's the case, then you sort of start to close off that. Like you were saying, Derek, from a game theory perspective, you close off that action step. And instead, you, you just take little actions like Red is taking to try to improve the quality inside of the system. You start to believe that the walls are safety, right? Yeah. And, you know, every when I when I say, you know, game theory aspect of it, you know, what I mean is looking at the fact that you're going to have in number of iterations in your life and realize that you know, where you're at in an entire process. You know, you may have a certain number of years that you estimate that you're going to live or something like that. I mean, I think that that is very important to somebody who's locked up and they're thinking about the number of years that they're going to live and how many years they have to drop dirt on the baseball field, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's just keeping that in mind. And I agree with you, Brian. You have to think about how much you're endearing those walls and how much you sickly cherish them. Because right. in some ways you do, and some day, in some ways you're like, they're the bane of my existence, right? And there's a tension there. So you still kind of forget, you, you chafe against them, but you don't look beyond them. You're just like, oh, anyway, that's just a thing. And their rules are there for a reason. It just occurred to me, we didn't talk about this much in the pre-show, but Obviously, the you know, there's these sort of parallel structures here where the, the anti-Andy is the warden, right? Is somebody who has all of the power and isn't using it for anybody else. Who's 100% like, I can use all of the authority in the world. I'm playing God. I've got this Bible here, and I'm, but I'm, I'm God in here. But he's using all of the power of the, of the structure to benefit himself. The anti-Red is, is Hadley, is the guard, right? Mm. He's completely institutionalized. He can't imagine what anything would be like other than being the guard in Shawshank prison and being the guy with the nightstick who can do whatever the heck he wants. But he's completely bought into the system. It, give, it actually does give him safety. But that's that's one of the risks, right, is if you if you get too comfortable, if you get to a position of authority and then all you want to do is reinforce the rules that are making you comfortable, there's no element of magnanimity in there at all. Yeah, then you become an enforcer. Then you become a, just a cop. And not to disparage law enforcement as a profession, but if your only purpose in doing it is to get to wield power, that's the example we see on the screen here, right? And he's kind of the anti-Red, where Red's institutionalized, but he's still using his skills to help other people. Like, I can get you what you need. He's surprisingly warm, and he's very casual, and he's very open. Yeah, he's the original founder of the team that Andy joins up with there, that Andy eventually really becomes the leader of. But Red founds that team on, I can't say kindness necessarily, but he founds that team on caring about something other than yourself. Brotherhood, right? Yeah. Like they're just, they're all in it together and they're finding a way to ease it. And like you, you said something earlier, Derek, about, you know, kind of the operations guys in the organization who are just like just, you know, in everybody's business and super worried about the metrics. Like that's what happens when you only care about the rules or when you start to get attached to the power. Right. You can be in an operational role and be genuinely looking for ways to make things better. But you can also be in an operational role and just being looking to punish people that are screwing up. 
Absolutely. And it's just this depth that you want to work at, right? And just like when you change your field of depth to infinity, you can see the vision. And if you change it to complete nearsightedness, all you can see is the the big black lines, the rules, and just what they say, not necessarily what they even mean, not necessarily why they're there. And that's a, you know, that's that's a way. Sure. (laughs) That's a way to live. Okay, so we talked a lot about the system and Red's role and how we can all find ourselves feeling like Red at times in our lives. So now let's transition into the what if, talking about how to break out of that mindset. So what if Red doesn't ever get an Andy? Because we see Red as the narrator totally change and you can see his reverence for Andy and you can see how he shifts as Andy is introduced into his life. So guys, talk to me about what happens if Red never gets an Andy. I think there's a lot of them out there, right? That they um they don't even know they need an Andy. So I think I was probably in that situation more than one time in my life where I didn't realize I needed an Andy. So it's really important that you find them. It's really important to be one, I suppose, so that someone can happen stancily. Is that a word? Run into you. <laughs> <Love it. laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, yeah, if you think about it, they become actual friends in the course of this movie, right? Like this, you know, they they become very close. And I think that that warmth of a relationship is important, right? If Red's in the prison and he never has a direct conversation with Andy, he's just this weird guy on the other side of the prison who's playing Mozart over the speakers and keeps getting t- tossed into the hole or does taxes for the guards. Like, he wouldn't understand it. He wouldn't learn the lessons. He wouldn't be inspired by it. Like, it's the combination of Andy's sort of vision for the future and his direct personal connection to just, like, sit at the lunch table and talk about stuff and, you know, trying to be in person, trying to help people. I think that's really important. Like, is it's that he believes in it partly because he's got that, you know, he understands where the guy's coming from and because they just had these sort of casual conversations to to anchor the bigger conversations, the vision and the we got to get, you know, get busy living, get busy dying conversations. But, yeah, I've been there. I've been I've been there where I needed somebody to just like say, like, hey, this is unacceptable. Like, why don't we just blow this up? Like, what would happen if we just blew this up? I think that would be better. Sometimes you just like, oh, you're right. This like this is just a made up rule. And I think it's important to note that the concept of breaking the system is one piece of it. Right. As we take this in, apply it to our limit break recipe. The idea that us as Red need an Andy to come in and help us come to a realization because we've had the dissatisfaction to some extent, right? And 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 so the Andy has to help you with the first step of dissatisfaction. They have to show you that the dissatisfaction is real and acceptable because oftentimes we've decided not to even engage with the dissatisfaction anymore. We've just let it become an undercurrent of everything that we do to the point that we don't even know that we're dissatisfied anymore. We don't even know that that lack of freedom in the prison is is constraining to us. But then to take that next step and take it to the realization and alignment. I mean, you actually have to watch somebody do a limit break, right? That's what Andy does. Andy engages in small limit breaks because it's not enough just to have somebody come in and help you to recognize the dissatisfaction in yourself and with your system that you're in. It's not enough to have somebody come in and show you a re- and help you get to a realization. That person actually has to, for them to be an Andy, they have to show you what a limit break actually looks like so you can believe. I'm surprised, but I love that we have gotten to this point in the episode without using the word hope. Well, let's just ju- let's just jump right into the moment here because we have an actual tangible representation of hope in this movie. 
Um, and this is the one where Red kind of gets it for the first time, where he starts thinking about something that couldn't possibly have come from within the walls. And the way he describes it is that it actually transforms the environment. It changes the color of the light. So, so take us into this. So our moment this time is when we get the shipment coming in from the library, from the government, that Andy's been asking for this whole time. He's been putting in the work to get this. And with the shipment comes a record that Andy immediately takes and plays. So he gets this Mozart record. He puts it in the record player. He goes to lock the door and he plays it over the prison's PA system, all over the prison, across the yard where all of these people are stuck inside this system. And he just lets the waves of the beauty of the outside world wash over this institutionalized mindset that everybody has. And I just want this is where I, as a guest, contribute uniquely to the situation here. OK, so just want you to put yourself in a Tom Green episode. There is a grocery store. Everyone is scanning their groceries. Everybody's checking out. And Tom Green walks over to the PA system, dials up the number, and goes, creamy corn, creamy corn. (laughs) (laughs) Over and over until they yank him off the PA system. It is literally (laughs) the same situation and the same thrill that Tom Green just wanted to say, creamy corn, over the PA system. And that was his Mozart moment, right? That's awesome. I love that. It was like one of my favorite episodes. That is awesome. I would not have made that connection, but you're absolutely right. Like it's the it's the unexpected inserted into the environment to the point where it's it's literally absurd, right? Like the marriage of Figaro in a prison is literally an absurd thing to be paying attention to. And I love, I don't have the text in front of me, but like the way that Red describes it is like, I have no idea what those two Italian ladies were singing about. And I, I kind of want to think it's something that you can't really put in words. But that's that's the tangible hope, right? The fact that Andy would do that ridiculous thing and that he would not just play it for himself, but share it with everybody. It's evidence that putting in the work is effective. Like he's been writing letters for five years or whatever. And finally he gets, you know, a little a little mini breakthrough. It's evidence that he's willing to pay the cost of like, I know I'm going to get punished for this, but, you know, I'm going to share this with everybody. I'm going to have this moment anyway. And it's the actual tangible hope of like, there are beautiful things elsewhere in the world and we can reach them. We can, you know, we can be inspired by them. We can carry them around in our heads. That's a moment where maybe Red's appreciation of what Andy's doing changes a bit, where his appreciation of what anybody could do changes a little bit. That's the first limit break that we see in the movie, I think. We get this external limit break due to the internal realization that Andy has had that everybody's stuck in this mindset and they need something to shake them loose of it. And so he pays the cost over and over again, sending this letter to the government to try to get funding. And in addition to getting the books, he gets this record on top of that. And we see it just this isn't the dam breaking necessarily, but we see a hole in the dam and the water of life start to flow through it into this prison and into the lives of these guys where now they actually can believe in something. It's just a little bit of the light of hope shining through. So I think one thing we can learn here about how to break out of this institutionalized mindset is we have to think different to break out of it. We have to bring in beauty into this rigid structure. Yeah. And hopefully you've got some examples in your past of where somebody, you know, showed you something unexpected outside of what you thought was possible or, you know, brought in the opportunity or you went and found it yourself. 
that sense that it's not just mechanical hope, but it's sometimes just sort of like unreasonable, intangible, unquantifiable, like, oh, here's just a here's a cool thing about the world that I didn't know that maybe changes my mindset a little bit. And I know uh, Derek's probably the best of us at just like looking in the world a little bit sideways, a little bit diagonally and seeing things that other people aren't seeing. But that's that's incredibly powerful when somebody can light those up for you. Yeah, I think we do it for each other at different times, right? It just depends on what cycle we're in. And if we're in one of those times where we feel the walls closing in, it's really important to kind of step in there and notice those cues and subvert somebody. And you just have to know exactly when to do it. I think that's the art, right? Knowing when to play the music in the office is an art form. And it's all about timing. It's all about circumstance. And it's all about detecting exactly when to do it. But I love I love that you use the word subvert there, right? Like emerging leadership often is kind of subversive, right? It's not the current rule. It's the what is the what's the demonstration of the new skillful pattern? Yeah. And it's I think bringing in that beauty as a subversion tactic can have some different results, right? Like for one, he has to go to the hole for two weeks. (laughs) And for two. A lot of the people don't even understand what they're dealing with. They don't even understand that the the emotional journey that that short burst of music put them on that they had closed themselves off to for so long. And I don't know that without that, you get all these guys chipping in to build this library, to continue to believe in the vision, to grow it out. You get people getting their GEDs. You get all of these different limit breaks that are all spawned off of this one initial limit break here. And most people probably didn't even know it was a limit break. So that's maybe another little thing I'm taking away here is I don't think we notice limit breaks when they're coming from outside of us until later on sometimes. There's times when you're like, oh my gosh, that was somebody broke a limit. I can't believe it. And there's other times that you feel changed and then you look back and you're like, wow, you know, two years ago, there was a limit break moment that somebody else showed me and helped me through. And I didn't even realize it at the time. So you guys want to talk a little bit about the moment afterwards here where we get Andy coming back out of the hole. He's been in there for two weeks and the guys are kind of asking him about how it was. And he's like, oh, that was the easiest time I ever did in the hole. Yeah, the idea that he would just be kind of carrying that that joy in his head is like, oh, I've got the music in my head and I can just think about it and it makes me happy. And like nobody can take that away from me is a legitimately surprising idea to them. Like they're what? You can you can you can do that. That's OK. <laughs> you know. You know, and many of them have been in there so long, maybe they hadn't they didn't have those things to bring in with them. But that's a that sense that you can weather the storm because you've got the confidence or you've got the beauty sort of locked inside. That's a pretty cool thing if you can carry it around with you. But I don't know that Andy would have would have said the same thing earlier in his journey either. Like he had to he had to have a little bit of success. He had to have a little bit of hope. He had to have that music playing over the PA to be able to carry it with him. So let's uh, let's summarize this one up here for part one. What did we learn today? What are our takeaways here? I think number one is we can all empathize with red. We can see where we have been red, are being red, and where we really wish to transcend red. But every red needs an Andy because due to our what if, we learned that red wouldn't have been able to break out of that institutionalized mindset if not for having an Andy. We learned about a subversion tactic that we can use, and we're all about subversion here on Wonder Tour. Bringing beauty into the system, playing music in a rigid environment really changes the game. And we also learned that people need to see limit breaks to have hope. 
the example that's set here by Andy that's then carried on by Red and some of the other inmates shows us what a magnanimous limit break can be. For a, a limit break to be magnanimous, it makes you better, it improves the quality of your character if you're the one initiating the limit break, and it's for the good of others. And that's exemplified in how Andy leaves the hole, he comes out, and he's full of joy, knowing that he internally can control his joy, not his external surroundings. And not only that, knowing that it was for the good of others, that all of the other inmates had a shock to their systems, and that he might have shown them how to have joy in the midst of hardship. And one of the effects of that we see is Red's limit break is actually, he has a couple at the end, but the one in the parole hearing, he's able to articulate like, in his head, he's able to look back on his former self and say, I feel sorry for that person. I wish I could talk to him. But he's actually moved far enough away. He's gained a perspective outside of his institutionalized world, outside of the walls, outside of the I'm a convict. He's able to look down on that and really articulate what he's learned and how he could have changed if he'd known that it was possible. And that's what unlocks the first part of his journey. So it's a cool echo of it. So let's uh, let's let Derek have the last word here. What do you what are you taking away from this one, Derek? I think that there's a struggle that we all go through that we we have to be self-aware enough to know that we're slipping into a red cycle in our lives. And we got to make sure that we seek out an Andy. And so I think I see people do that, whether they do that consciously or subconsciously. Sure, we could talk more about that in the next episode as we go deeper on this, but you've really got to catch yourself when you start to slip into that, you know, sympathizing with the walls and start to realize that you can't let yourself go there too long. If you do, you may be too far gone. And I think that's a risk. It's a real risk that we all run is letting ourselves slip too far into the, the red cycle. And we need to break out into the Andy cycle with the help of another Andy. So I think it's interesting to think about how different people are different proportions of these two characters and these two modes of operating. And I'm looking forward to talking more about that in the next episode. All right. Well, that'll be it for this week, then. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back once again with uh, Derek and Drew for Shawshank Redemption Part 2 next week. And we complete our limit break with our prison break. In the meantime, just remember, as always, character is destiny. Destiny.